Hi, and welcome to The Mean. I'm Ryan Huber, and with me, as always, is Nicholas Seagraves. Hey, Nick. Hey, Ryan. Today, Nick, in the wake of another scandalous hack dump of documents from the interwebs, which people are apt to call leaks, the website WikiLeaks is involved. Some people are talking about Hillary leaks. And we've seen in the past leaks about the U.S. military and clandestine services, the government, um, the NSA, people like Julian Assange and Edward Snowden involved in various activities related to this kind of stuff, overseas spying programs. Uh, we're going to call this episode, episode 37, Leaks on Leaks, because we wanted to kind of like rip open this whole bag of liquid for our, our listeners. When you heard about the Democratic National Committee, about um, a bunch of their emails being hacked by apparently Russian government hackers and then posted mm-hmm. then posted to WikiLeaks and and released to the public. What was your first reaction? Like like did you feel like it was a big deal? Did you not feel like it was a big deal? Like was it kind of whatever? I thought it was a really big deal. Um I kind of heard it from up like people at work mm-hmm. before I actually read about it. And I thought, oh, you're over exaggerating. You know, like when someone says, Yeah, so they just found out that Russia hacked um Hillary's like campaign emails to to kind of, you know, yep. knock her down a, a a few pegs. I was like, Oh, okay, I'm sure like that's not exactly what Sorry, happened. is what you're telling me that you're not comfortable with Russia helping determine the outcome of US elections? Um, I know it's just a crazy controversial opinion, mm-hmm. but no, I'm not. I'm willing to take a stand on that. Okay, well, I see you as an extremist then. Um, okay. Well, one thing I think that not a lot of people know is that Donald Trump had an extremely hard time finding high-level Republican operatives to run his campaign. Um, I think partially probably because he's an insane person mm-hmm. and no one wanted that stink on them for the rest of their career. So, like, tons of Republican operatives that were with the other 17 Republican candidates have not taken jobs with the big boy uh, post his uh, nomination or even his, like, becoming the the uh, sort of consensus he's going to be the nominee, nominee because the, he's so distasteful to them. So v- virtually no one from Bush's campaign, high-level people, from Bush's mm-hmm. campaign or Rubio's campaign or Cruz's campaign or Walker or any of the other people – have gone to work for Donald Trump. And because of that, he had to dip way down into the barrel to find people to run his campaign. He was uh, using a guy named Corey Lewandowski to run his campaign for a while. And Corey was uh, charged with assault of a reporter during that time. Okay. um, Because he grabbed her arm and shoved her down to the floor because I guess he thinks he's security because he's the, he was the campaign manager. So then Trump brought in a guy named Paul Manafort to professionalize the operation because Lewandowski was was seen as somewhat of an amateur. He had run things before, but never anything like a presidential campaign. Do you want to guess who Paul Manafort's former boss was before Donald Trump? Like whose campaigns he was running before Donald Trump? Um, Probably like someone American. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, um, you know, 25-ish years ago, uh, 20-ish years ago, he was working for Bob Dole uh, in his 1996 campaign against Bill Clinton. But that was actually the last time he worked for a major um, American politician. And since then, he's been working for a bunch of really cool guys, uh, the chief among them being someone named Vladimir Putin. Oh, yeah. Indiana State Representative Vladimir Putin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, part of the uh, the House of Representatives uh, in uh you know, in uh, Upland. Um, So yeah, so Paul Manafort, I want to be very clear about this. Paul Manafort, the current most kind of powerful Republican-ish operative running the Donald Trump presidential campaign, last worked for, for for several years, the Russian Prime Minister Vladimir Putin. Yeah. So you combine that with the fact that Russia appears to have orchestrated intentional hacks and leaks of the Democratic National Committee's email systems. 
Um, it appears that mayhaps there is a link between these two things. The top guy in Donald Trump's organization having worked for Vladimir Putin, Vladimir Putin being the sort of tyrant over the entire Russian government apparatus and an ex-KGB agent, by the way, and uh, the large uh, amount of emails that we saw leak from the DNC over the last few days. Does that make you feel good about our electoral politics? Does it make you feel so-so? Um, I would say so-so. Okay. I definitely, yeah, I think that it's ridiculous that people aren't more, um, wildly outraged about this. Yeah. To think that, yeah, like, especially a country with as much recent history as Russia. Well, it's not like they um, invaded another country in the last year or so, right? Yeah, just for the, for, for giggles. Did all of their athletes just get banned from the Rio Olympics? No, they were going to be, but in a, in like a very uncharacteristic move by the Brazilian government, they decided to turn a blind eye towards it, which I think most people were just shocked by, honestly. Yeah. Because the Brazilians yeah. are, they never change their minds about anything. Um, yeah. But the Russian, basically they found the Olympic, International Olympic Committee, which is also super duper ethical and has never had any mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. didn't of they, course, of course. Didn't they find that in the Sochi Olympics, like all the Russians cheated? Didn't that just happen? Didn't that just come out? And then they were like, well. Yeah. Well, we're... not only cheated, but from a from a governmental level. Yeah, like what what used yeah. to happen with the Soviet programs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but just like 2.0 now with capitalism. Yeah, this is Rocky this is Rocky 7. It's not Rocky 4. Yeah. This is incredible, isn't it? <laughs> like that this is still happening. Doesn't this seem like an 80s movie? Um I would definitely say it's an 80s movie. <laughs> well, it sounds like a a freaking episode of like uh Mr. Robot yeah, or something like some crazy. type of it is so ripe for like conspiracy that I'm shocked that Reddit isn't more upset about it but probably because the victim of the entire thing has been framed to be Bernie Sanders yeah um which you know Reddit hated um that's probably why they you know I don't know and by Reddit hated I mean Bernie Bros for life yeah. Yeah, so like let's just go back over the facts. So yes, the DNC leaned Hillary the whole time. That's the big thing we learned. The big aha moment is that the Did we learn that there? Yeah. Yeah, they, is that the first time anyone thought that? Yes, it's the first time anyone's <laughs> ever thought that maybe Hillary Clinton's the most establishment candidate that's ever existed ever. Um mm -hmm. so we learned that the DNC was leaning slightly towards Hillary and away from Bernie. Maybe it's because none of his economic policies would ever work. Um Secondly, we learned that Paul Manafort worked for Vladimir Putin, now works for Donald Trump. Thirdly, that Russia's probably behind these email leaks and WikiLeaks. Also, we've pretty much learned that Edward Snowden, in addition to Julian Assange, have, I don't want to call them Russian agents, but I do want to say that they have been received with open arms by Moscow. Mm -hmm. So Russia is housing or protecting, or helping, or aiding a lot of this kind of WikiLeaks, Edward Snowden-type stuff. I mean, that's where Snowden lives. He lives in, in Russia now. So you have a lot of this kind of old-school Soviet era. I mean, once again, Putin, KGB, all the stuff going on, the kind of Russian Olympic cheating stuff. It feels like we're back into the Cold War, but one of our candidates is like buddies with Putin, Trump. The other thing I'll point out <laughs> is that people scoffed at Mitt Romney, literally wrote com columns mocking Mitt Romney in 2012 when during the debates they're like, hey, what's the biggest threat to America? And Mitt Romney was like, Putin and, Ru mm -hmm. and, and Russia, a resurgent Russia. And they're like, you're an idiot. You're so out of touch. Um, I would just want to point that out because Mitt Romney's still my boy. You're my boy, Mitt. Um but we're in this weird Cold War kind of a thing. And that brings me to a question I have for you. Are WikiLeaks, like, 
the sharing of maybe secret or classified information about our government, our politicians, our political networks, our clandestine services, our military. Uh, do you think WikiLeaks, and this is going to be such a simplistic question, you'll, you'll have to answer it <laughs> over time. Do you think WikiLeaks has been a good thing? Overall, yes. I will go out on a limb and say yes. Um, Unpopular opinion alert. Yeah, I think most people want to say, but I, my troubles with it, so overall, yes, but my troubles with it come from its focus, okay? So if WikiLinks is this almost like universal solvent for government, conspiracy they put a lot any... of stuff out there not just about the u.s government but, but other governments as well like they put yeah. a lot of stuff out there so like and that's great if it is universal but the thing with like russia having a monopoly on the like you don't see a lot of WikiLeaks about russia yeah there's Weird. that that's kind of what i'm going at so it's like it's not as if they're hiding in France mm -hmm. and France, like, is you know, viva la revolution, and yeah. we've always been freedom fighters. And good job, Edward Snowden. Mm -hmm. We love you. Sir. Here's what I get. Yeah, it's more like you're hiding in like Russia, which for forever has been not the most transparent government style, whether it's a czar or a, you know, those other guys, mm -hmm. Stalin. Or whoever. I've always thought of Russia as like the developmentally delayed European cousin. Like Russia, yeah. Russia's always kind of like coming along. Like the French had a revolution in the early 1800s. So like a hundred years later, the Russians were like, I guess we'll have our own. I mean, they abolished, they abolished serfdom in the 19th century, Ryan. Yes. But that's quite a delay. And then like. You know, France had Napoleon, and then like a hundred years later, or later Russia had Lenin, kind of. You know, mm -hmm. and then it's fun. Stalin. You know, sometimes it's fun to pretend, but sometimes it's not. Yeah, and I think the KGB Soviet stuff is—it's weird that those people would now become so interested in protecting the thing that they would literally probably murder an entire neighborhood of people. Oh, you mean have, you mean it. have. I, we but don't know. Okay. You know, okay. we don't, I don't yeah, want to Dead go. men don't talk. Yeah. All you we know. know is that when the Soviet Union collapsed, all of the people who were kind of hooked into the KGB apparatus, like, made a ton of money, including mm -hmm. all of Vladimir Putin's friends. That was a, yeah, I don't know. So what you're saying is that despite the weird Russian facet to this, you still overall will say it's probably still a good thing. I think as a concept, it's a good thing. Yeah. I think that we live in an age where there has become such a proliferation of data and information and our government, everyone's government, has kind of taken it upon themselves simply because of size. You know, like, this isn't... In, historically, it makes sense on why these things happen. Mm -hmm. And by these things, I mean, like, clandestine operations of the government. Mm -hmm. So it's like, when there's a couple colonies and you're fighting a revolutionary war, the biggest thing you don't want to leak is, like, where are we keeping our powder keg? You yeah. know, and, like, yeah. how do we get food? When you're trying to dismantle an internationally oil-bagged terrorist ring that may or may not be linked to Saudi Arabian royalty. With that, whom we are allies. With whom we also are kind of have-sies friends, have-sies hate you with. Mm -hmm. um, like, obviously things become incredibly sensitive and things become really complicated. But the the negative flip side of that is that wartime ideology when turned inwards, and I think Edward Snowden and the NSA is a great example of that. So I'm fine with the government not letting me know every single military operation that has ever happened, including and in specifically intelligence operations. Yeah, 
because that kind of defeats the purpose, the point. However, stingray phone scanning, warrantless wiretapping, ga- gathering of information, mm-hmm. huge archival knowledge of every single citizen's entire life, mm-hmm. not FISA great. courts, like secret, secret, like court meetings. Ye- Things that are where the Constitution seems to be almost 100% absent from what's happening mm-hmm. to its own citizens in particular. Not that it's good that we have secret courts for foreign people either, but... So you're, like, kind of on, like, the the Rand Paul side of things here. Like, the mm-hmm. this, like, like, combine this with, like, drone programs and such, and it's probably, like... You know, you can kill a U.S. citizen if they join a terror citizen or terror cell abroad, kind of a thing. Like these are probably, I, 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 I'm not sure what my position on this is, and I'm glad you've taken one so that I can kind mm-hmm. of like play with it. But I think like one of the pro- one of the reasons why I'm not completely against it, and one of the reasons why I think that you're for it, kind of, is that we're process people. And we really, really think that the way that you set up processes and laws and rules and order, like, that's really, really important. And if you violate those processes or rules or whatever for convenience sake, you're setting yourself up to fail as a system. Yeah. And the government does not deserve trust anymore. I think that, I think that is what makes it such a hugely symbolic Mm -hmm. Um, issue is well, and that's what the, that's what Donald Trump is capitalizing on. People don't trust yes. institutions anymore. And I think the the problem is is it's you do get kind of the whole caught with your pants down syndrome with the NSA and with especially some of the things that have come up from well, the our, freedom of, our, of our, our our alliances were damaged by the fact that we were spying on like England and Germany. Yeah. Well, that's not an alliance. Yeah. Like, that's, like the, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's like, yes, does that hurt our country? Technically, yes, it does. However, it also establishes that there's a group of people out there that if you are like, hey, you're my ally. I love you, Angela. We are best friends. Love, like, let's, I love the Merc. Yeah. Like, me, love you, her. Murky, Murky, kisses, Barack Mur- Obama. Murky, Merc, and the German bunch. Yeah. Michelle Obama just shoving her face full of like black forest chocolate cake and hands Ooh. and ev- everyone's Ooh. excited. Everyone's thrilled. People are jazzed. And yet she goes home and Obama's like watching her through like a P cam or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, like, that's weird. It's, it's really crazy. Weird. Like imagine being like, Ryan, I trust you with everything. I'm so glad we're in this together. And then you catch me reading through your, all of your text messages and like, re- like, in a in a sexual relationship, that's called being. Uh, you're not. It's called being clingy. It's mm-hmm. called being jealous, untrusting, insane. insane. Also, like that crazy ex girlfriend. Yeah, that's the crazy. Like America basically was like, we're the world's crazy ex girlfriend. And however, but then it then once the leaks kept coming out, it's like, oh, and by the way, every single country does this to every other single mm-hmm. country. So it's yeah. not like we're America. We're stupid. It's France is looking into Angela's bathroom. England's mm-hmm. looking at France looking into Angela's bathroom. Everyone wants to see what Angela's <laughs> up to. For some reason, I'm really fixated on this being like just a standard <laughs> video recording of Angela Merkel using the restroom. And that's like, um, that's amazing. But, and I'm being, you know, I kid, I kid, but. But that's, that's what, what it that, is. That's the equivalent. It's like we violated the privacy of other governments that trust us. We're basically saying, like, we don't trust you to actually follow through with what you're saying at all. So that's great. Um, And with the Freedom of Information Act as well, which I think some people are critical of because it doesn't actually do everything that it was, you know, claimed to uh, uh, supposed to be doing. However, the stuff it did bring to light, especially about the CIA in, like, middle Cold War times... Um, in terms of projects like MK Ultra, yeah, um, which sounds like it was made up. You no, know, like it, if it, it was a SNES video game from 1996, right? Yeah. Well, it's like if you in 1972 
went on the streets and said the CIA are giving LSD to housewives and like ripping their fingernails off and seeing if they notice and like and like and this is happening in your backyard people would be like wow you're a crazy person well the whole Shut the up. whole DARPA program mm-hmm. If you guys don't know what DARPA is, look it up. But, like, the military tries a lot of weird things, and the clandestine services try a lot of really weird things. And a lot of them probably we wouldn't be okay with if we knew what was going on. Yeah, and let me be, like, I'm, to really put all my cards on the table, I think it's a good thing, but I'm also not married to the idea, which is why I was so interested to do this podcast with you. Yeah. And... But to but to maybe put on the pretend I'm super into it idea, yeah. I think a good argument would be we're a representational democracy. Yep. So if we go to war with someone, we should really only be going to war with someone if the constituents, if America, the people who our government's supposed to represent, is like, yeah. You know, which is why it's important that yeah. we have Senate meetings. And that we have, like, information. Mm-hmm. And to make those decisions, we need to know what is actually happening. And I think in a perfect world, it wouldn't be completely transparent because that, that's ridiculous. But it would be more transparent than it is. I can at least say that. And so... I think the argument would be the government has taken its license to be spooky secret and just has run a little too far with it. And Snowden and the Julian Assange and his horrifying face structure came in and like, it's like someone took one of those rubber Halloween masks and put it on top of a mannequin and just kept pulling back. I feel like that's not his real face. That's what I think. I think it's going to come out like I've had plastic surgery to like change my identity. Mm-hmm. I so feel like no that's one... probably Michael Jackson. Yeah. Or at least they like cut off Michael Jackson's face and they made like a beautiful theater mm-hmm. mask out of it. Yes. Which yeah. is what I would have done. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you a question. So mm-hmm. you and I often talk about how much we like the idea of the United States, um, the political philosophy that founded the United States in terms of checks and balances, separation of powers, being, being suspicious of giving too much power into the hands of one person or organization or even branch of government. So on the one hand, if we're being consistent, we'd be very suspicious of the federal government having all this information and all this power and all this spy capability and knowing no one really holding that part of the government in check because we don't know about it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it seems fairly dangerous to, to put the power of internet hacks into the hands of people like Anonymous and WikiLeaks and things like that because they can also now change people's lives for good or for mostly for for ill, um, mm-hmm. especially CIA agents, people who are exposed. Um, through these document dumps. Now they seem to have sort of an almost unadulterated form of power. And who who can ch- put a check on them? Yeah. So if they're acting on behalf of Russia or just anti-American sentiment or just like, hey, we're anarchists, whatever, we do what we want, who could ever hold them accountable? I guess one of my questions is, how do we do government accountability and private citizen accountability in the age of the internet and information and hacks? Because at the end of the day, information is becoming more and more powerful and the ability to get it is becoming more and more powerful. That's why I think like the Mr. Robot scenario, by the way, you guys should watch Mr. Robot's great show. Good job, everyone. Love the show. Um, Great job so far. Season two is going swimmingly. Um, but that's why this is like a real scenario where you can destroy entire systems simply by being good at code. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that Think about the fact that like to go take over another country, you, you used to have to like get a bunch of swords and go there. And then it was like, no, you don't need swords anymore. You have guns. So you just have to go like next to there. Cause we have big guns. And then it was like, no, we have like long range of missiles so you just have to like get those and then fire them or threaten to fire them 
And now it's like I can instantaneously invade your country from a basement in Shanghai. <laughs> it seems a little disconcerting. A little bit. A little bit. It's it's good. I mean, you're turning the argument on its head. Because, I mean, what I gave you was we need, as citizens, information to keep the government accountable. Mm-hmm. But if you applied that same reasoning to, you know, I guess I'll call them information mongers or, you know, something people, like that. something crazy. Brokers, actually, mm-hmm. is what they're more like. Do they is, get paid in Bitcoin, you think? God, I mean... Who even knows what's going on? And that's kind of the motivation. It's like you, on paper, I mean, it's the problem with vigilante justice, period. So it's kind of a lose-lose because I'm sure some 23-year-old computer whiz Mm -hmm. is maybe even in his own head ideologically very pure and going, hey, not good that people are lying and mm-hmm. that we're being, you know, wolves being pulled over our eyes and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'm kind of on this crusade of information liberation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, he's, he doesn't, uh, maybe doesn't understand the gravity of some of these things or the fact that a lot of times the public and other governments has been very selective about what, we freak out about. Yep. So, for example, what are we freaking out about? We're freaking out about the fact that Hillary got a little wink, wink, nudge, mm-hmm. nudge from little Miss Clown Gollum herself. Mm-hmm. And that is what we all really care about because Bernie was a pure angel baby. Yeah. And he deserved better. Yeah. And what the government, what the public is not really outraged about is the fact that Donald Trump's KGB wolves are apparently on the prowl in in yeah. America. So it's uh, like best of both uh, worlds. Yeah, and so it's like even if you do release all this information, the Panama Papers, for example, yeah. which was another huge leak. It was like Emma Watts. Wait, what's her name? Yep. Is that her? Is that Richard Dawkins? Yep. Okay, the girl from Harry Potter that looks like Richard Dawkins. Emma Watts. It's like she, she holds money offshores. And, you know, unlike other wealthy people in America. Yeah, no one, and, I don't even know what offshore means because no one ever does that. I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, that. it's, she actually invented the concept. And in that way, I respect her. Yeah. Um, but also hate her. Also, um, is she a zoologist? Uh, she was before the selfish gene. <laughs> but now she's a philosopher. Now she's a philosopher and a Twitter poet. The other day I was um, talking to somebody who's a big Dawkins fan and they were like, I was like, he's a zoolog- <laughs> he's a zoologist, and they're like, no, he's not. I can't believe they let you talk to someone out of middle school for that long. <laughs> I was like, he's a zoologist. They're like, no, he's not. He's a he's a bio. Some. I was like, he's a zoologist. His PhD mm-hmm. his PhD is in zoology, and he like specializes in the history of science. But I don't know how you're able to do that because you're, you're a zoologist. Anyway, so. Hermione had money in like Panama or something, right? Yeah. And it was like this thing that people were like, ooh, and then it just and then it just went away. It was like, oh, this is bad. And then bye. And it just it's gone. So it's like anymore. It almost doesn't matter what bad thing you do anymore because some other bad thing will become the media outrage of tomorrow. That's why Donald Trump that's why Donald Trump is a major presidential like if Mitt Romney had said one of the 100 top ridiculous outrage things that Donald Trump had said he would have had to resign and say I can't run for president if George W. Bush had done it if Barack Obama had done it like remember Barack Obama got into a lot of hot water because his pastor said god damn America yeah like, that was a huge deal that was a freak out moment I've heard the uh, some of the campaign guys talk about that like, just saying we thought, like, our lives were going to end. But, mm-hmm. like, Hillary Clinton, and I, I blame the 24-hour news cycle, Twitter cycle, and everything. Hillary Clinton can almost commit a federal crime in which the director of the FBI says, yeah, she wasn't grossly negligent. She was, like, 
outrageously careless or something. It was like something really yeah. close to gross negligence, which is a which is a crime. So she can do that, and Trump can basically be best friends with Putin and say every outrageous thing that's ever happened. And somehow, because oh well, that's just who they are. Next news cycle. It seems like this new this kind of twenty four hour news cycle is really making it so that facts matter very little now. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what happens. And, that, and that's the thing. It's it goes back to Plato's critique of democracy in terms of even if there was a Snowden legion yeah. of trained computer wizards and technomancers mm-hmm. who released Amazon Prime drones to the yeah. world that gave you a complete, total, omniscient view of every single government activity, people would still be influenced by the media. And the media would pick and it would pick and choose, because you know it's a give and take. The media is interested in what the public is, and then the public gets fed more from the media, and then the bubble bursts, and then they move on to something else or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the point being is, I think any type of argument that views these people as liberation information lords is still missing a lot of things. And, And the Hillary leaks are, in my opinion, much more damning against this type of existence i guess mm-hmm. than any of the previous ones mm-hmm. because the hillary ones seem a little too targeted yeah and they happened the, yeah. d- the day like in between the republican and democratic national conventions yeah like this like, isn't it's... post-election this isn't two years before the election this is like at the peak yeah this is in a this is an informational attack on hillary clinton also, I might, like, my whole life might be over once I say this, so just, like, say goodbye to me having a computer, but I'm really disappointed in Anonymous, because mm-hmm. they said they were going to reveal all this stuff about Ted Cruz and Donald Trump during the Republican, they had all these promises, countdown videos, we have all this information, we're going to do it, and if they had done that, my boy Marco Rubio would have been the nominee, and he'd be crushing Clinton right now, but, like, they didn't, they didn't follow through. I wonder how many times Anonymous has promised to do something and not followed through. And that is another problem with democracy, because I don't think Anonymous has any kind of hierarchy or structure. No. Well, it wouldn't be. It, it couldn't. Because the moment it did, it would be... It wouldn't be Anonymous anymore? Yeah. I mean, if the whole thing is, like, it's supposed to be, like, uh, you know... Can you explain like, it? Can you be... interpret that for our audience? So, so when I say, ah, uh, it's like someone looking at you... And you're like, hey, there's this really serious problem in the world of, like, child child abuse. Okay, here's a great one. That, here's an anonymous, like, high horse issue. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, child abuse, child molestation. Mm-hmm. Awful, awful, awful. Everyone besides... I'm sorry. First, for the people who have never heard of anonymous, they're a group of, like... They're kind of an ambiguous, amorphous, amoebic group of online crusader vigilantes who try to ruin certain people's lives because they find they're they get on their high horse like nick is about to describe to you about child abuse yeah and like so one of their high horse issues is like oh this person much like how it operates in prison this person is a child abuser and so we're going to you know hack into his email and we're going to order a million pizzas and have them deliver his house mm-hmm. and, you know, hire prostitutes and call the police and, mm-hmm. like, just basically destroy a person's life from the internet. Yep. And I think a lot of people look at it and it's kind of that what we were talking... This is weird that this is such a serious uh, podcast, but I'm going to reference when we were talking about superheroes with Mike. Yeah. It's kind of the idea of okay, maybe we've always wanted to see that, you know? Like, we want to see Casey Anthony be, if people even remember who that is anymore. Yeah. Do you you remember who that is? Yeah, she's the lady who, like, maybe killed her daughter in, like, Orlando. And, like, let's just be honest. You and I both lived in Florida for over a decade. Like, the weirdest crimes happened in Orlando, or in the middle of Florida, because... Just nobody cares. Like, just Florida is the weirdest place to try to 
talk about crime. There's Twitter accounts about it, like called a Florida man, like a Florida man mowed his own foot off today or whatever. It's this yeah. mix of a bunch of different people groups who haven't lived there for very long, trying to do life with alligators and swamps and a lot of bars and Orlando, which is its own thing with Disney World and Universal. And sometimes a mom will like, I don't know, murder her daughter or something. Yeah. But during all of that, it was this weird type of like, wow, she's the worst person ever. Like, we all are mad at her. Nancy Grace. Yeah, and Nancy Grace was on TV screaming about it. and Oh, my Lord, no. Hundreds yes. of people. This precious little girl, Kaylee Anthony, is dead, y'all. Yeah, and that was my 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 family was like that, too. Oh, my Lord, like, yes, no, she's dead. Can you believe that oh, someone would do this? Oh, my Lord. And I remember when the trial was being extended, a lot of my family members were like, wow, this, she's not going to be like, that little girl is not going to be served justice, you know? And like, look at how corrupt our system is that someone can be a child molester and live a reasonably normal life, if that ever. And so I think it feels good to kind of like take the system in your hands mm-hmm. and be like, I'm going to order a thousand Poppy John's mm-hmm. pizzas and send well, them to someone else. Well, that's what F Society is doing in Mr. Robot. F Society is kind mm-hmm. of based on Anonymous, right? Mm-hmm. So they're trying to take down the big evil corporate interests. Basically, F Society is like, in Mr. Robot, the show is like Bernie Bros meets Anonymous. They're like Occupy Wall Street and Anonymous, and they're going to take down the bad rich people and the honest the most honest thing about the show is that it shows in season two some of the drawbacks of revolution that we've seen the more violent or anarchic a revolution is the higher the chances are that they're going to become what they hate that that they're going to be like napoleon who becomes a dictator basically a king after there's this whole french revolution to try to get rid of it that the whole system, mm-hmm. right? So I was going to ask you about that because you said I turned the argument on its head about, you know, who do we want to have a lot of power and secrets of the government or these people who are hacking the government. And you mentioned uh, vigilante justice. And mm-hmm. I wanted to get back to that concept of vigilante justice because I think it has everything to do with what you're talking about with superheroes and anonymous, Right? Like, they're vigilantes. That makes us feel like mm-hmm. there's someone out there doing the right thing. Look, they're wearing masks outside of churches of Scientology. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. You know, they're wearing Guy Fox masks. We get it. Be for Vendetta is great. Um, but why is vigilante justice problematic? And I'll, I'll, use, a, I'll use a story to illustrate my question. <clears throat> so, while that dude in Dallas was literally murdering police officers. Like there was some dude, remember a couple weeks ago, black lives matter. All that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so while this is going down, a couple of people that I really respect otherwise kind of like put up a comment on Facebook and liked it. And there are people I really respect and who are public kind of figures and they said, this guy shooting cops right now, the Dallas sniper, is just like NRA members who support the Second Amendment to the Constitution. They both are willing to use violent to overthrow what they see as illegitimate government institutions. So they're basically making a direct comparison between a cop killer and the people who don't, who are, who's literally murdering cops that day, like as, as the story was still mm-hmm. developing, they had not caught him yet. And they were saying, hey, this cop killer who's murdering police officers in Dallas reminds me of the people who disagree with me on gun control because they have the same kind of stance towards authority. NRA members who support the Second Amendment and think that the, the armed American Revolution was a good idea and are saying, hey, we want to keep our guns because of the Second Amendment, they're just like this guy who's murdering cops. Now, I responded to this by saying, shame on you. This is shameful. You shouldn't say this or like this, especially as people who are public figures and leaders and have you know, people you lead who some of them are probably NRA members and you're basically calling them cop murderers. 
Um, while this is going on, and shame on you, and I stand by that, shame on those people for putting that up there. They, sh- they should be ashamed of it. But why is there, why are they wrong? I'm, I'm begging the question because I know you agree with me. But why are they wrong to say a guy who's murdering cops in Dallas is basically his motivation is pretty similar to people supporting the Second Amendment and saying, hey, we should be able to bear arms, you know, because we don't want our government to dominate us. Like, why is there a difference between those two things? And why does it have to do with like a definition of a vigilante? And why do people like you and me have a problem with vigilantes, but we don't have a problem with, let's say, state sponsored violence like police action? Yeah. I know that's I a lot, so I'm sorry for dumping all of yeah, that. Yeah, it's you, a but, lot. But it's kind of surrounding the same kind of thing. So I could mm-hmm. just shorten well, it by saying, in... by saying vigilantes. What's with that? Mm-hmm. Vigilantes are like, hmm, they are like anecdotal evidence. Okay, and this is like the craziest analogy I'm going to ever make. I'm ready for it. Anecdotal evidence. Anecdotal evidence are like the vigilantes of, of philosophic argument or special knowledge, uh, those two things. So basically, if someone invokes special knowledge during an argument, they will say something like, well, I know that you said that murdering my children is wrong, but Mother Mary came from the sky and appeared before me and said, kill your children. And, you know, she's the mother of God, queen of the universe. So I did it, you know, or anecdotal evidence would be like, you know, maybe we should all stop doing this one thing. And then someone goes, well, one time I did this thing and it didn't do that. So P.U., no, no, you're wrong. And the problem with those things is they cannot be measured against anything at all. So... Someone having anecdotal evidence about whether or not an issue is right or wrong, or true or false, or ugly or beautiful, doesn't really matter in an argument because they cannot, you can never check them against anything. Yeah, because their story and, is their story, and the, yeah. in the logical fallacy, or the fallacy is that their story indicates a reality that's much greater than just their story, right? Yeah. And it's, and in terms of argument, all it takes is for someone to say, yeah, well, I one time did it and it did do it. Yeah, so you can just reverse everything by telling your own story. So someone can be like, well, I I met a racist cop and you can be, well, I I met like the least racist cop. Exactly. And then you, and the point is, is no one wins. Like then everyone loses. Yeah. Because if your argument is I had an experience and that's truth. And someone goes, well, I had a different experience. Then you're kind of just stuck. Yeah. And it's the same thing in special knowledge of like trying to say, hey, I'm really trying to talk to you about this. Mm. And you have a 48-year-old woman who's like, Jesus told me that Harry Potter is the devil. Yeah. You literally cannot talk to that person. And vigilante justice in a political sphere is actually, I think, a great analogy towards that. Because what you're doing is you are not in in a technical fashion because you're going outside the bounds of law you're going above and beyond the forms and institutions of government that we have in place to allow change from a citizen level and you are kind of trying to supersede the entire process maybe for good reasons you know um you're trying to supersede the whole process and kind of cut the corner and in be the like judge jury and executioner yeah all at once and these things cannot be checked on anything because if we lived in a world where vigilante justice was totally fine then one person could be like hey i hate that plastic water bottles are filling up our oceans and in 200 years our children won't be able to eat because fish populations will die off and the ecosystem will collapse. So I'm going to go around and cut off everyone's tongue that drinks bottled water or something. It cannot be like, what do you, what do you, that person's insane, mm-hmm. obviously, but there's no there's accountability. No there's no accountability, there's no accountability. Except, except for to kill him, but he's already killed all the people he decided were wrong. Yeah. 
And then it, all it takes is one person to be like, I think it's wrong that there's a man walking around cutting off people's tongues. So I'm going to find him and kill him. And it's just this huge process of anarchy in the worst version, the most uncharitable version of it, of the reason why we have societies and the reason why we have a slow government is because people don't get to say, I think this is wrong and now it's wrong. Bye. It has to be a communal decision. And so a man sitting on top of a building and shooting police officers, whether that was motivated by extreme Islamism or maybe a poor reading of Black Lives Matter ideology, or maybe he's just a psychopath, maybe mm -hmm. all of the above. We don't really know. Um, it doesn't really matter. The, the point is, is if we allow people to do that, it, it's complete disorder. And even if you think they're right, or even if you think that that could be compared to someone who believes in, I don't, the reason why it's hard to answer the first part of your question is because I don't even know what they're saying. Are they saying that... They're saying that, he, that if you believe in the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, and mm -hmm. if you think that the American Revolution was justified, then you're using the same kind of logic and saying, well, well, government authority and institutions are illegitimate. We see them as illegitimate. We're, we're willing to use force and firearms in order to challenge their legitimacy. Therefore, they're using the same kind of logic as the sniper in Dallas when he was shooting cops because he sees them as illegitimate. Yeah, I guess if it's in that reading, the biggest mistake would be what I just said. The American Revolution was accountable to America. I mean, that's why it was so painful. And I think that's why it was so complicated. I mean, like, if you go back and you read the Federalist documents and you see Federalist Papers, sorry, and you see this, like, desperation, this very desperate need to unify the colonies and to make the thing. And I think, I guess what I'm trying to say, it's stupid to even have to answer that because they're obviously not the same thing. But the, No, no, but it, they're, this is why yeah. I challenged these people and said this was shameful, because they're leaders, no. they're intelligent, they're educated. One of them has a PhD, one of them has a master's degree. People listen mm -hmm. to what they say. And they're saying on this public medium that these two things are parallel, that that murdering cops in Dallas is the same thing as, as being a member of the NRA and being pro-Second Amendment. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Um, I, I would, yeah, no. And I'm saying the difference between the two things is part of, part of the difference between the two things is the definition of a vigilante and why vigilanteism isn't mm -hmm. a good idea most of the time. Yeah. Well, and I think it's not just a cop-out answer to say that the American Revolution was, you know, accountable to America, but it is kind of in a way of saying, like, doing something like the American Revolution, which was a process, most of all, mm -hmm. like, if you know that it's one of those things where it's like, hey... We're really trying to communicate with you here. Like, we'd really love it if you'd stop doing you know, this weird kind of treating us like crap over well, there Well, yeah, and I think part of it yeah. is just an ignorance of the actual history. Because mm -hmm. basically how there's this pacifist strand at my school that believes that the American Revolution was unjustified and unjustifiable and violent. And, and that's why America has a culture of violence and a culture of guns over against, like, Canada, like Canada is like the shining city on a hill for a lot of pacifists because they eventually got their kind of freedom from Great Britain without having to have a war. I would submit mm -hmm. that the American Revolution had something to do with that. Um, mm -hmm. But hey, who's to say? But a, a lot of people are ignorant that we didn't want to fight Great Britain. We just wanted them to stop doing crazy stuff like quartering soldiers in people's houses and mm -hmm. like and basically having large amounts of troops in cities to quell the populace and make them more subservient and try to be an authoritarian government over the colonies who had been governing themselves for decades and decades and decades and make us fight in their wars and capture ships and force them to serve as sailors, which is, um, I forget what the phrase is called, but they could do that. 
consignment, I think is what it's called. But mm -hmm. um, so there are a lot of reasons and the beginnings of the war were very much like almost like civil disobedience. It was basically like there's a bunch of people in Boston, my city, and they're like, hey, we don't like this anymore. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to start militias and we're going to make sure that we have control of the areas outside of Boston. And then if the British troops try to move out of Boston, we're just going to stand in their way. And if they want to shoot us, they can shoot us and then we'll shoot back. So it was almost like a, you know, it was, you know, don't fire to the, till you see the whites of their eyes kind of a thing. It was, mm -hmm. if you're going to bring soldiers whose job is violence to live in our homes and force us to do things, when you basically told us that we could, we should govern ourselves for the last hundred plus years, then what we're going to do is we're going to resist that. And we will train for that resistance because we think we know what's going to happen because we've seen you do it in other places. So, mm -hmm. what, so what we're going to do is be prepared. And when you try to say, we are your masters, we will rule over you with this army, we will resist that. And pacifists don't like that. They say, well, we should have not ever used arms. We should have just submitted. We should have just let them do what they wanted to do. And it would have worked out better for us if we hadn't. I would ask them if the entire world should have done that with the Empire of Japan and the not and the Nazi regime. If everyone should have said, hey, we're going to lay down our arms and let you do what you're going to do. And eventually we'll hopefully get our freedom someday by the pacifist witness. And I don't want to get off into the whole pacifism thing. But what I do want to say mm -hmm. is this. Vigilantes and understanding the difference between vigilantes, both WikiLeaks type vigilantes and Dallas police murderers who are probably insane and people who take things that matters into their own hands. And even certain kinds of terrorists are vigilantes looking for their own kind of justice. The difference mm -hmm. between that kind of vigilante justice and the American Revolution is accountability and representation. WikiLeaks is not accountable to anybody. And they no. don't really represent anybody. The Dallas sniper wasn't accountable to anybody and didn't really represent anybody. And the colonial military, the militia, the, the farm boys who showed up with their muskets, they were accountable to the Continental Congress. They're accountable to their, to their colonial legislatures. They're accountable to the people who had the right to vote in those households. Uh, they weren't accountable to black people or women because we, we hadn't given them the vote at that time. So to our shame, um, that's a bad thing. But they were accountable to a large population of people who decided that they wanted self-government. I think that's a much different thing. I think that's yeah. a, a, a much different species of thing than this idea of vigilante justice. Absolutely. And that's what makes it scary. That's what makes it so scary is the idea that if Russia is offering asylum to these people and therefore gets to kind of like fit this one out of being exposed of doing awful things, which we all know they do. Yeah. They, they're really awful. And, 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 and let, me, let me extend this to one cause I agree with and one cause I don't agree with. Black Lives right. Matter, I don't really agree with some of the stuff they do, but here's what I'll say for them. They're basically trying to challenge vigilante police. Mm -hmm. They want to put an end to police acting outside of the due process of law. And I support that critique. I don't think cops should be able to use violence without accountability. I think that's a bad way to run a state. Mm -hmm. And so I, even though the movement isn't my favorite movement, I think that they have a real point there that, that police should not be able to be vigilantes. They should be held accountable. They should be representative of the communities that they're working in. Um, and, and, and another thing that I'll say is this kind of like the double standards that happen with certain cultural battles where, mm -hmm. for example, because of North Carolina's transgender bathroom law, the NBA is is moving the all-star game next year or whatever or they refuse to have it this year i forget what it was so they're basically penalizing the the charlotte hornets the nba team in north carolina they're saying we as the nba are standing up for trans the trans community and this is so offensive to us this bathroom law that we're going to move this to orlando or some other place that is symbolic of lgbt rights well mm -hmm. they also have a gigantic campaign of outreach the nba does to china who are horrific human rights violators. Yeah. So, so some things are, are, are politically expedient. Some things are, are pretty easy. Uh, and some things are a lot, lot harder in terms of actually being consistent with your arguments, actually being consistent with what you say that you're going to do. And coming back to the issue of WikiLeaks 
and uh, vigilantes, it's like, if you're going to apply certain standards to the United States government, perhaps those same, same standards or even much lower standards should be applied to governments like Vladimir Putin's Russia and the People's Republic China. of China. Yeah. And it's it's almost like... Just a thought. Wanna, yeah. And I think the motivation is you want to be cool. Yeah. You know, this is such an immature reading of things, but I can't help it. But sometimes I get the feeling when I talk to people that it's like, dude, it's not cool to, like, try to defend America. Okay? No, it's not. Like, it's, it's like rebelling like, against your parents. Yeah. It's like, don't don't defend your dad. Like, he's not cool. Whatever. Like, I've heard the phrase, Putin is a badass before. And for me, and there's kind of this, like, meme dumb of him being, like, this insane wrestling like yeah. clawed bears yeah taking shit. his shirt off doing Mussolini things yeah so you know basically setting the stage for fascism yeah um which is oh it's it's fun. on its way it's on its way yeah it's fun um it it kind of makes me there I don't think people understand that they are being manipulated mm -hmm. so by being anti-america because like this country's so screwed. Yeah, man. If, if by that you mean you are supporting another, probably worse, if not absolutely the worst, maybe corruption in a large scale pseudo successful country. Yeah. Like I know that there's some South American dictatorships that are pretty crazy, mm -hmm. and Eastern Africa is not not great. Know, having the best time of its life, but. The things that come out of this man's life and mouth and the fact that at one point in time, they just decided, hey, this is part of our country now. Well, it's also and, like it, yeah. it, this big thing could be put under the umbrella of like the phrase, the soft bigotry of lowered expectations. Right. Okay. Explain. So the soft big, bigotry of lowered expectations is when we go. But they're, you know, they're Muslim and they live somewhere else. So, like, they, we're not really going to, like, make as big a deal out of it when they kill gay people or give women no rights. We really need to put our own house in order and make sure that we close the gender pay gap and make sure that, mm -hmm. like, that we don't let those crazy right-wing Christians, like, say mean things about gay people. It's mm -hmm. that. It's let's put our own house in order here, which is a very Christian idea, by the way. Put your own house in order. But it's also that, like I said, that soft bigotry of lowered expectations like can we really expect russia and china to like have real democracy or like mm -hmm. expect muslim countries to not abuse gay people and women like that's not really... they're just little babies yeah they're little oopsie doopsie baby countries they're not real yeah. countries. they're just little babies and like you know baby made a mess mm -hmm. uh-oh but america we should have known better and that's exactly and it's weird because it's like you said it's such a soft bigotry and it's also so condescending it's when you so, really think about it's it so condescending it's so it's awful like you well you're condescending to like 800 different groups at once so yeah. like not only are you being condescending to the american government and being like this isn't an ideal utopia so you guys still have mm -hmm. some work to do you idiots. guys have some splaining to do lucy you yeah but then you also turn and you look at some place like Here's something that I don't understand people aren't unbelievably outraged by. Dubai. <laughs> like, well, you treated something... Like the Arab Emirates hosting the World Cup. Like, Qatar. Yeah. Qatar being yeah. the place where the World Cup is going to be held. Like, why is Welcome that happening? Welcome to the world's most glorious slave trade playground, Qatar. Do you guys like, 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 like sex like... slaves or, like, drug slaves or, like, construction slaves or, like, just general use slaves? Yeah. But the hilarious thing is, it's different, you know? It's, like, they don't know any better. That's basically, That's like... That's what people say. Yeah. It's like, oh, female, you know, genital mutilation is this thing that is... Like, I don't know if you've ever had to try to have a conversation about that with it's, somebody. It's awful. It's... A huge, huge human rights deal. Yes. It's something that is almost, you can't repair it. It's yeah. something that's completely a violation of a person's body, yeah. just in general, and their identity as a sexual being. Yeah. 
you know, it's basically communicating to women that you do not get to have a mm-hmm. sexuality. But, um, like, that's you being imperialistic and forcing your culture upon a Exactly. So, in a lot of ways, I need to look at the man in the mirror mm-hmm. and How are say, you? Nick, how are you yeah. mutilating female genitals? Last week, one of my friends who is a girl didn't want to watch a horror movie, and I said, I really think this would be good for you. And I feel like reflecting upon that yeah i mutilated her personality mm-hmm. which is know? kind of like your genitals because they're close to you yeah and in, in a lot of ways what i did is worse because i'm western and i mm-hmm. need to i don't know you mm-hmm. fill in the blanks whatever you want to say after i that. feel by like making school kids read like almost exclusively dead white men that were participating in female genital mutilation I don't see a lot. I don't even see a division. But see, those two you things. know, those two things are as alike as the sniper and the American Revolution and the NRA members. Here are things that are here are things that are similar, and tell me which do not belong. <laughs> International sex trade: A. Sniper in Dallas: B. Global conspiracy against the United States election process: C. And then D. The fact that there were only two African-Americans at the Oscars. Yep. So out of those four things, or however many I said, try to even distinguish them as separate events because in my head they are all running together. <laughs> I just think the, the analogy machine is broken sometimes. Yeah. Just like, wh- wait, what What are you saying? Like, not only is it, yeah. Like, and then if you really press if you really press somebody on it, they'll be like, well, you know, I'm saying like, because I did, I pressed these people on it and I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, what are you saying? And they're like, well, we're not saying that they're the same. I'm like, I know what an analogy is. Yeah. You're saying. Analogy that- <laughs> isn't perfect. That's my least favorite. It's like, yeah, but you're trying to make a significant point. There's a reason you put these two things together. There's a reason mm-hmm. you put a cop killer who's murdering police officers wantonly and people who are members of the NRA who uphold the second amendment in the same sentence. You, you did that. I didn't do that. Yeah. I wasn't walking down the street and said, Oh wait, who did that in Dallas? Was it the NRA? I forget because I don't remember because they are the same person. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is a good time to make a general philosophic statement of like how I, think analogies should be used and how some people use them let's do it and it and it has to do with the order of of arguing yeah so a good use of analogy is um i think that oh god i'm trying to think of a good analogy but what subject uh, here's here's a good analogy so wittgenstein talking about how um language works and how kind of ideas and the names we give to those things kind of are like a game, a language game. Yes. And how we develop these kind of in different life worlds, blah, 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 blah. It's really confusing. He sets out his argument and then he has this little like fun thing of, and one of those trick mind images of something that can be either a duck or a rabbit, the way you look at it. Yes. Which is, and an, an analogy, it's an illustration of what he's saying. Yes. That's a great use of analogy because you're basically using kind of a deceit because an analogy is a deceit because yep. those two things are not the same mm-hmm. um, to kind of highlight why something is true or to clarify your argument. Yeah. I think it's really, really bad when the order of the argument is here's an analogy. And now for my argument. Yes. So when it's like, here, doesn't, don't these two things seem similar? And it's like, maybe. Or it would be like saying, when you go into the street, you have to look both ways. Therefore, there should be a multiplicity of genders. You know, like, <laughs> it's just like, it's like, you can't use Make your an argument. Analogy. Make your yeah. argument. 
and then use an analogy. And try not to use an analogy that compares something that's relatively commonplace, like there being 5 million members of the NRA, with something that's very, very rare, like somebody, you know, killing multiple police officers with a sniper rifle. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe think about how those things are alike and different. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe also just a little tip for everyone listening, maybe not post something day of. Yeah, while it's just happening. In, yeah. Ter- in terms of just how much reflection you've given this, yep. I would say maybe not. Also, maybe, maybe how much access do we have to the facts as a news story is breaking? Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, speaking of Wiki, WikiLeaks and internet uh, vigilantism, like we talked about last episode or a couple of weeks ago, like the kid who didn't do the Boston Marathon bombing, but everyone on yeah. Reddit said he did it. Like, maybe that's a bad idea to, like, rush to judgment and be an internet vigilante and say, oh, I need to bring awareness to the situation. So what I'll do is be judge, jury, and executioner and basically make it so that this person has to go into hiding for a few weeks so nobody kills him for being the Boston uh, Boston Marathon bomber. Just like the poor black guy who was at the Dallas, the Dallas thing with an open carry rifle who walked straight up to the police, gave it to them, and then he was implicated as the shooter – because somebody on social media thought, hey, I have enough information to make this call. Yeah. These law enforcement people have all these stupid rules. All That's these. literally what it sounds like to me. Like, investigators are being silly. And like, that's the danger of WikiLeaks. I yeah. I am for challenging large government bureaucratic running of the daily lives of people. I want accountability. I want representation. And because I want accountability and representation, I also am wary of WikiLeaks because it doesn't seem like they have those two things. And I would also posit for my final point that that is the difference between vigilante justice and more organized forms of political resistance or violence even because there is accountability and representation i rest my case mm-hmm. i think it's a good case i think you did good thanks nick i think on my end i would say thank you WikiLeaks. thank you so much appreciate it's all your hard a, work <laughs> it's been a great fun ride mm-hmm. i hope in the future at some point, you will be a lot less necessary. And honestly, I hope to never see you again. Also, if you're going to come out again, maybe target some, like, tyrannical dictatorships or some, like, I don't know, China or Russia or North Korea or something. Yeah. Like, where are the the wiki leagues for, um, like, I want to, you know what would be a great email to hack? I want to see Donald Trump's email. Mm, that'd be great. Because, hey, next assignment, guys, Donald Trump's yeah. email. That, to me, would be number one numero important thing for me as a WikiLeaks person. Not to shame Hillary in public, but to, I would want to know what Donald Trump sounds like when no one is around. Also, because I, because I might vote for him, I would love to see how weird Gary Johnson is. I just, Mm -hmm. I would like to see the depth of his weirdness because I know he's a super duper weird guy. So if you could just hack him too, I think he wouldn't actually be that angry, to be honest. Yeah. So that's all we have for you guys today. Um, We're going to try to do a hilarious episode for you next week so that we can talk about the dumpster fire that is this election two weeks from now. But for now, this has been Ryan. And Nick. And you'll hear from us next week. So... Bye. Bye. Or as Hillary Clinton would say, bye.